Welcome to the Game Deflators Podcast, Season 2, Episode 3. I'm joined by co-host Ryan. Thanks, John. Here at the Game Deflators, we talk about uh, games that we're playing, games that we just picked up. Uh, we do a segment, Inflation Deflation, where we talk about an old game and tell you if it's worth your money or not, and any other gaming news going on. Sounds good, man. So typically on the Game Flares podcast, we will open up with recent pickups. Unfortunately, uh, this past week and a half, I've been out of town on uh, travel, but I do intend to pick up a game this week. So I'm going to be grabbing Owlboy. That's by D-Pad Studio. Um, Owlboy was released a good while back on PC and then had uh, regular versions of the game come out. I decided to go ahead and get the collector's edition. It was limited to around 6,000 copies per console it was released on. And I figured, heck, why not? 70 bucks, 6,000 copies. Not too bad a deal, right? Unfortunately, it's been delayed since July. So I'm crossing my fingers. There's no further delays on October 19th when it's supposed to come out. But we will see. And to my knowledge, there probably is a delay going on right now that I have no, no clue about. But overall, Owlboy is set in... Uh, the land of the sky and it's pretty much a set of islands uh, that's undergone like a catastrophic event and you're part of this uh, owl humanoid race and you play as this character named Otis and overall his uh, village has been attacked by a band of pirates so what you're pretty much doing is trying to go on his journey to save your village uncover truths about uh, lost owls uh, throughout their the history of their race and uh you know, from a general 16-bit standpoint, this is pretty standard. So I'm a little excited to see how this all plays out. It should be a pretty quick game to beat. Uh, so that'll be pretty cool too, just given how busy I tend to be. Uh, the overall game, though, is uh, set in a platformer type style, uh, 16-bit obviously. And you're picking up a variety of weapons and tossing them at enemies. You're going through puzzles, hoops, pretty much anything that older gamers grew up playing, this game has. It's received some great reviews via Metacritic and IGN, anything from 80 on up uh, out of 100. So we'll see how this plays out. I'm pretty excited. So, Ryan, did you uh, get anything recently? Any recent pickups? Yeah. So last week on the podcast, we were pretty sure that I would be, you know, hours into Valkyria Chronicles 4 by now. I had talked before about how great the demo was and how excited I was and I sat back the other day and I tried to just redo some of the demo to make sure that I wanted to throw my money at it. And I just couldn't get into it. It wasn't anything wrong with the game. I'm just I guess I'm just not in the mood for something like that right now. So I kind of took a step back and reevaluated my options. And uh, I looked at they just had a uh, new enhanced edition of Disgaea three come out and uh or no disgaea one yeah and it's uh i've played that before and that's a crazy game but that's another tactical rpg that's got 100 hours worth of stuff to do in it and as cool as it looks and as much fun as i had playing it before i just didn't think i would really go for that either so I tried to take some time and think about what I really wanted to play next. And I saw that they had Stick of Truth for 30 bucks in the Switch eShop. So I picked that up because the 
for those of you that don't know, episode uh, three of South Park season 22 just came out last week. I figured they had episode three. We're having episode three. I might as well check this out because it's been on my list of things to play for a long time. And I love South Park. And honestly, I've been kind of disappointed by the new season of it. And with everybody's reviews of Stick of Truth saying how funny it is, how much it is just like an episode of the show. I can tell you if you haven't played this and you're not really feeling the new season of South Park either, this will get you there. This is definitely uh, the best South Park I've seen this year. And I'm loving every minute of it. It's uh, fun, quirky. All the characters are there. It's set in, uh, you know, the neighborhood. The boys are all playing uh, fantasy role playing game. And you've got your standard warrior class, wizard class, priest class and Jew class to play as. You've got uh, magical, uh, you know, battery shocks. You can dragon shout through a fart, uh, get abducted by aliens. You know, it's got so many South Park references running around collecting chimp Pokemon. I, I love it to death. It's uh, it's also an RPG. I knew I wanted an RPG, but it's uh, it's got some of that timed button pressing like you'd see in a Paper Mario game to, you know, up your defense and up your attack. So it's a little more engaging than just your standard turn based RPG. And uh, it's got some extra outside of combat mechanics that you can do. You can shoot enemies from afar to stun them so that when you go into battle, they're pre-stunned. It makes the battles a little easier. It's really not a challenging game. I mean, I'm only like five, six hours into it, and I'm already one-shotting most things. There's really not grinding, so it's not like I've been power-leveling to get ahead of the curb. But it's... Uh, so far... It's really good. I'm having a really good time. I think after this, I might go straight for Fractured But Whole, which I really wanted to play before, but I kind of wanted to check out Stick of Truth first, which is why I never really jumped into the Fractured But Whole. So, uh, you know, thinking about all this and, you know, media tie-ins with games, last week, John had picked up City of Lost Children, and he's finally had a chance to watch the movie. John, what did you think about that? I thought it was absolute garbage, actually. Um, no, in all honesty, the movie itself was pretty interesting. Uh, so I didn't play the game yet. Um, it just It's not something that I'm really interested in grabbing a hold of right now and just kind of jumping into. Uh, plus, I got to get it buffed out. Um, but the City of Lost Children is pretty much there's like this evil high intelligent guy that uh, is living on an oil rig and he's been abducting children and pretty much using them to uh, engage in fear and he's taking their tears so that way he can dream because he has the inability to dream and it's just really odd because you got like this group of misfits living in an oil rig and they're all talking to this big brain that's in a container that pretty much gives them direction. And there's this guy that's an evil genius abducting kids. So it's just a super odd film. And uh, it's actually a French film. So it was initially released, you know, in French audio. And the interesting thing about this movie is they've dubbed over it in English. And one of the stars is Ron Perlman. So I was just talking to Ryan a little bit ago. 
And you have Ron Perlman sitting here who clearly speaks English and they've dubbed over him with a really cheap Russian voice. So the whole time I'm just sitting there wondering why Ron Perlman is just not dubbed over his own voice. And Ryan did bring up a good point. Um, it was probably too expensive to get the guy to redo his lines twice uh, in English and in French. But besides the point it is super annoying. Um, overall, Ron Perlman, he's uh, in a carnival. His manager ends up, uh, well, spoilers, I guess. His manager ends up dying and getting stabbed by um, uh, a thief or whatever. And then uh, he ends up in just this distraught feeling in a trailer. And um, he's got people coming after him for, you know, he's protecting some kid. And this group from the oil rig comes in to try and abduct the child. And he's protecting the kid. And he somehow gets in league with these children and, it's uh, it's just super odd, man. I honestly, the film was enjoyable to an extent, but it started to get kind of old. And by old, I mean, it was also an old film. I want to say it was released out in uh, the early 90s, maybe late 80s. And uh, yeah, 80, 95, this film was released. And so, um, yeah, man, I'll, I'll have to have you watch it. But I just cannot get over the fact that Ron Perlman was dubbed over with a crappy Russian accent. That's well, and I mean, especially like Ron Perlman's the voice of, you know, Hellboy and the voice of the uh, what is it? The narrator in all the Fallout games like he's got this iconic voice and just seeing him and hearing a cheap knockoff from somebody else is weird. Yeah. And that's probably one of the things that really set me off most about the film is like, if you're going to have the guy in there and he's pretty much an iconic American actor, at least in this point, maybe back then he wasn't as as big, I suppose. Um, you know, it just it was really off putting to me to watch this film dubbed over. I would have much rather actually watch it in French uh, with the subtitles. But it does get me into uh, kind of a thought as far as, you know, a fun topic this week is, you know, are there any games that you've played based on movies that you truly enjoyed or maybe movies that are based off video games uh, i can say like in the last few years we've had quite a few come out we've had uh, a newer reboot of tomb raider which i thought was actually pretty good despite some of the reviews uh, rampage which i really want to see uh, warcraft came out a few years ago uh, prince of persia obviously 2010 we've had wreck it ralph assassin's creed silent hill um, the resident evil films so there's a ton of movies that have been based off video games that have come out is there anything really that you know stems out to you that um you really enjoyed or maybe even a game based off of a movie that you enjoyed you know um i do i hate watch the resident evil movies like they're not great movies they're very loosely tied to the games which i think is better than trying to straight up recreate the games like they're just a fun thing to watch, but I would never like put them on the top of any list or anything. Um, one movie that I really liked that I don't think got a really good reception from what I heard was uh, Final Fantasy 15 Kingsglaive. When I got Final Fantasy 15 finally last year, I was super stoked to play it. I mean, how long had we all waited for versus 13? you know, 10 years for this game to come out. So in the time that it took to actually install on my PS4, I watched Kingsglaive. I watched the five part anime series tied to the game. And I think I still had time for dinner. 
but I really like that. Um, Mortal Kombat classic, uh, Street Fighter classic. Uh, you know, those are both a little on the cheesy side. I think the first Silent Hill movie was actually pretty good, though. And um, oh, gosh, there's been so many things that have come out. Yeah, personally, in the last few years, I'd say one of my all time favorites has come out is the Ratchet and Clank animated film um, that very much uh, brought back a lot of nostalgia for me. I enjoyed playing the Ratchet and Clank games throughout, um, I guess, middle school is when they were coming out for me. And uh, yeah, the movie itself was very much like the first game, just in this whole uh, feature presentation type mode. So I was stoked. Uh, fiance fell asleep twice while watching it, but I, I sat through it two days in a row and I just loved every moment of it. And I want to say it got pretty decent reviews. Um, another movie uh, that's pretty interesting is a wizard. And I know it's a older film, pretty cheesy, um, but it's essentially based off of a Nintendo tournament. Um, where a kid with, I want to say he's got a disability, um, goes forward and is able to, go ahead and battle in the, you know, Nintendo's prestigious uh, championship gaming series uh, throughout the nation. So if you haven't seen the wizard yet, definitely check that out. It's got a lot of uh, NES nostalgia for a lot of folks. Um, movie was released in, I think it was 1989 or late 80s. So uh, definitely check that one out if you haven't done so yet. You know, and even more so than these games based straight off of movies, that's really cool is just how, you know, gaming has come more into the mainstream. I mean, Ready Player One came out this year. I was super skeptical. I had heard that the book was like, okay, I'm not much of a reader, so I never really checked it out. But man, that movie did some cool stuff. I mean, it was definitely just chock full of references and nostalgia stuff for, you know, people who have been into gaming for a long time. But it's really cool to see things like that. And Wreck-It Ralph really, you know, showing the broader world in, you know, full featured, you know, top of the line movies, you know, what what classic gaming is all about and show that, you know, the gamers are kind of the future in some sense in these movies. Yeah. And, I'm, you know, I really do hope that a lot of these movies that are coming out kind of take that approach like the Marvel films in the last few years where we can start seeing a higher quality of gaming movie come out. So, I mean, you had movies like Angry Birds and Doom and a lot of flops like, like Prince of Persia. There's a lot of movies that are out there just complete trash uh, that are based off of games. So I'm really hoping that movies like, you know, Ready Player One and uh, the new Tomb Raider, despite some reviews, um, become more prevalent out there and uh, we get a higher quality film. Now, kind of turning the tables a little bit on... Uh, games that are based off of movies and i mean we're talking about just your generic ports i'd say and this may not technically be based off a movie but the spider-man game on ps1 i'd say that was probably uh growing up that was probably one of my favorite games man and i mean granted it's based off of a comic book too uh but that game in general was a real blast for me um uh, some other games that came out after movies were like the transformers titles wasn't a big fan of that uh, if you're looking at games based off of TV shows, uh, you have the Digimon series uh, that was released. Uh, that actually was a pretty damn good series of games. 
Uh, is there anything uh, that kind of points out to you, man, as like a top tier title or something that you really enjoyed based off of films? I mean, GoldenEye is legendary for, you know, movie tie in games um, and also the Star Wars games. I mean, a lot of them are, you know, more extended universe stuff and, you know, not necessarily canonical, but, you know, they're definitely a part of what that is. And they're, you know, KOTOR is definitely something that, you know, people hold in really high regard. Uh, the Lord of the Rings games that came out for the Xbox, those were really good. I remember playing tons of that with my friends, you know, going through trying to get all the, you know, different little bits of additional world that they couldn't show in the movies or just other ideas that it's like, you know, that really fleshes it out. It really makes the world come alive in a cool way. And I think that rather than trying to one-to-one port that's what these movies to games and games to movies should be really trying to do they should be trying to show you the same world but in a new way that the other medium couldn't do and i think there's something coming out that you're excited about yeah man so we saw some leaked footage on the new harry potter rpg and uh leaked being the um the key thing here is we don't for sure know that this is actually going to be an rpg and uh you know, some of the footage that we saw so far looked pretty sick. So I'm excited from the standpoint of having read the books and then watched all the movies. Say what you want about me. Um, but there's a whole generation of us. So that was our our life. And um, I like the idea of being able to explore the wizarding world in an open world environment like a fallout or an oblivion. Um, and I'm not going to use the S word uh, also by a uh, So <laughs> not going to give them credit for anything. So um, overall looking at the footage, I'm really excited from the standpoint of, and I've said standpoint twice, but uh, being able to potentially play as maybe a death eater or deciding what type of wizard I want to play as uh, being in a certain house, learning different spells. I just, I wonder how, Envelop, they're going to put us into this uh, wizarding world. Are we going to get to go to the human world or are they going to tie in like the new uh, movies that have come out, um, you know, based on the monster manual and such? Are we going to have the ability to play Quidditch inside games similar to like a Final Fantasy X Blitzball? You know, what is the full extent of this game? And it's pretty exciting. And I hope it comes out in the next year or so or two years at least. Because uh, it'll definitely be a day one purchase for me. Is there anything that um, I mean? We saw a pretty good amount of uh, footage and still shots from that, you know, from that trailer. Is there anything that kind of came out to you, or that you're really excited to see in this type of game? You know, I've never been giant Harry Potter fan. I mean, I read most of the books. I've seen most of the movies. It's uh, thanks, John. <laughs> it's it's a fun universe. I, I definitely give it credit for that. I really did like the um, the first uh, of the new movies that came out, the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. I thought that that was an interesting take. And kind of like what I was saying before, it shows more of the world. Like I really enjoy the world of Harry Potter more than I enjoy the story of Harry Potter himself. It's a great story. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking it, but I'm real excited to just 
go to these places and see these things myself. Yeah, I think that's really what intrigues me most about the game is just the available um, space that you can explore or, you know, the idea of it, that is what we're potentially going to be able to do with this type of game. Uh, Having played a number of games like a Fallout or uh, an Elder Scrolls style game, uh, I like the idea of being able to explore. I mean, are they going to put in a different uh, magical realms and stuff that we saw in like um, the Goblet of Fire books where you had like that Russian group of uh, wizards from a different land? Like, are we going to be able to go as deep as exploring that? Hopefully it's not flipping DLC and you have to download those worlds because that pissed me off. But just... There's just a, I don't know, it's just intriguing, man, having the the thoughts of what can be with this type of title and uh, having grown up with those titles and a lot of people wanting their uh, letters, which I, I promise I'm not expecting a letter anytime soon, and uh, people that wish they were in that type of realm. This is really a way to put them in that. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm happy that it's happening now versus like, 10 years ago when the books first came out. Cause really I, I would not want to play this as a PS one game. I would want to play this as a PlayStation four or even next generation game. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you go out and check out the footage, I mean, it's not like the best quality, but you could tell the graphics look really good. And to be able to see everything rendered in such a way is going to be way better than any of the old Harry Potter games that came out. You know, I mean, there's been plenty of licensed titles for Harry Potter in the past, but the, uh, the level of quality that they're putting into this really makes it far and above those usual cash grab tie-in games that come out once a year when the movie does and, you know, try to, skip past all of the you know downtime and try to fill it with like you know that's the big difference between games and movies and what gives them such a hard time is like if you got an action game you know a lot of that is the action the combat but nobody wants to sit in a movie and watch you know fight scene after fight scene after fight scene i mean to top off poignant moments and have grand fights and cool choreography that's an excellent part of a movie, but you're not going to be skewering through low level mobs for half a movie trying to grind your levels. Yeah, well, I mean, you might not have to because uh, at this day and age, you may have loot boxes where you can purchase different wands and purchase different brooms and then not have to level grind because you'll get your Gringotts coins uh, through your loot boxes. So we'll we'll really see how this plays out. And I, I hope to God that somebody making this game does not hear our podcast and says, that's a great idea, John. And then, uh, yeah, then we're screwed. Uh, so, dude, I just realized uh, we didn't do what I'm currently playing. And so to go back into what I'm currently playing, I am still playing Elemental Gimmick Gear or EGG on the Sega Dreamcast. So for those of you that didn't catch us last week, an Elemental Gimmick Gear is pretty much an egg looking robot um, that the guy can jump into. And there's a bunch of different spells that you can use. So kind of going into the story so far and what I've done. Uh, the elemental gimmick gear, your main character is named Logan. Uh, he's from 5,000 years in the past. He was stuck in his, uh, EGG and, uh, was recently resurrected in a sense or brought back, uh, from his, um, you know, comatose essentially. And he starts out with, uh, trying to defend this city from a pirate 
group that comes in. So now we're on a, a binge of pirates and post-apocalyptic here. Uh, so he basically goes through to this like fog tower. Uh, he defeats this pirate guy that's in there in his own EGG. Um, mind you, everybody, it seems in the whole world has an EGG uh, throughout. So he defeats this pirate, brings him back and then decides to continue going on his adventure. Well, turns out and we'll have lots of spoilers here. Um, turns out he's actually from a moon colony from 5,000 years ago because the earth was destroyed during a major world war and they went up to the moon to live. And then they released like this mother type of, uh, purifier system onto the world. Well, the purifier system became corrupted, kind of similar to like horizon zero dawn when I was playing that. And, uh, it begins to like destroy the planet pretty much and wanting to cause extinction and everything else. So the world is livable now. But it's beginning to get corrupted by this, uh, they call it Psycho Mother. And so at this point in the game, uh, I've met up and uh, kind of seen different memories of my past, like flashbacks. And it turns out like I'm this crazy, um, you know, soldier in a sense uh, that worked with his buddy Omega. And your technical name is Beta uh, in the Moon Colony. And uh, there was a meltdown and uh, Beta, pretty much Logan in this case, uh, was trapped for 5,000 years. And so now that he's awakened, uh, he's come back and he's trying to stop Psycho Mother. At this point in the game, I just launched a 5,000-year-old rocket back into space and landed on the moon colony. And so now I'm currently in the process of figuring out all the puzzles associated with the moon colony. So a cool thing about this game, uh, again, if you weren't listening last week, is... You are in an action RPG style game, so there's no hit points. There's no, um, you know, damage being dealt in terms of numbers popping up. You do, however, level up from these capsules that you find, which increase your attack, defense, and your ability to hold more uh, spell slots. And then you have a different, uh, just a wide variety of different things like fire, ice. Uh, You could spin in your EGG with fire. You have like this plasma move that just like sparks out like, Uh, radiation everywhere and kills anything within its range. Um, You can bust the ground with like a rock move so far. So I'm about six to seven hours into the game. And I would say so far, I'm really enjoying it. The music is cool. Uh, The artwork for its time is pretty cool. The CGI is not half bad, given that it was released back in 99. Um, And just overall, I'm really enjoying this game. And I'm hoping the next time that we record, I have this thing beat. Speaking of having things beat, I finally got through the messenger. Oh, my God. I I decided about, you know, three hours away from being done with the game. I'm going to go through and I'm going to just 100% this thing. I'm going to go get all of the challenge tokens. And it took me a little while, uh, you know. Only so much time in the day to play, so it it I should have beaten this a while ago, but I I didn't, and now I'm finally done with it. I had a really good time with this game. Going through the challenge rooms, like you don't get the coolest thing for completing it, but um, what you do get is the reward of the challenge itself. Like I really got into the platforming and all of the different the fluidity of the movement in this. I mean, it's not going to be as good as, you know, the fluidity of the new Spider-Man, but with the double jump mechanic and tying into 
the glides and the grapple onto walls like you really get to the point where you can move around in a cool way and really feel in control and i was just really wanting to see okay what room am i going to get to that is finally going to be too tough for me to get through and it i had to bang my head against a wall a time or two but by the time i was picking up those last few coins one 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 just one shot in each of the rooms no problem so it was very rewarding however the final boss of the game the final form of the final boss of the game comes down to one of those dragon ball z laser versus laser pushing who's gonna win who's got more power and it's a spam mash b event just mash 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 and you know i'm not i'm not a huge fan of qtes i'm not a huge fan of mashing stuff i get it but this was just too much man like it was too much i seriously had to mash harder than i've ever mashed i had to reach deep down in my thumbs to pull this off did it remind you of uh, mario party mini games at all uh yeah you know it did when you're up against uh you know hard level peach and she's kicking your ass every mini game <laughs> yeah pretty much so i it really it took me a couple like not even a couple tries like i had to go in and you can't pause so i had to hit the home button to back all the way out of the game to give my hand a rest to get through this. And it was just ridiculous. I just want folks to know that he said he needed to give his hand a rest during the game. I think he's lying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, man, I, I definitely think I need to play that game at some point, given your experience. And then what I'll do is I'll defer to you when that final boss comes through, since you're so good at your hand, apparently, and you can go ahead and button mash for me. Um, so uh, at this point, let's go ahead and discuss our inflation deflation, man. Uh, we decided to play, and I'm going to just be up front here. Ryan said he had never played Dreamcast, apparently. So... I decided to go ahead and pick up, uh, or not pick up, but I grabbed off my shelf Millennium Soldier Expendable, or really just Expendable, on the Sega Dreamcast. And uh, it's actually a port of a Windows game. It was released in uh, 99 on the Dreamcast and uh, 99 on Windows as well, and later released in, I think, 2012? Yeah, 2012 on the Android console, or Android system on their Play Store. And so... Expendable is like a top-down run-and-gun shooter uh, where you play as two super soldiers and uh, there's this alien race that has come through and uh, you're pretty much there to defeat the alien race. It kind of reminds me of uh, really, well, any top-down shooter, but kind of Contra in a sense because you're picking up a variety of different weapons and you're in this top-down mode uh, and being able to go really any direction you want in this top-down mode and shoot your enemies with uh, rockets and lots of bullets and a whole bunch of stuff. The only difference is in a game like this, you actually lose ammo and uh, you have a health bar. So yeah, I thought overall it was a pretty cool game. Um, I'll defer to you first, man, since you hadn't played a Dreamcast game yet, and which is still shocking to me. And uh, you can give us your opinion on the feel of the Dreamcast controller for this particular game and really your overall thoughts. Yeah, I 
I totally missed the Dreamcast. I was never, never really a Sega. The only Sega thing I ever owned was a Game Gear. And, you know, I think I could probably count on two hands the number of times that I had six AA batteries to power the damn thing. But, uh, you know, it was it was as fun as I kind of could hope. Uh, I actually do like the feel of the Dreamcast controller. I mean, it's a little bit square on. Like, I wish it kind of, you know, flexed out at the bottom to give you a more natural hold. But, you know, hey, it's it's an old console. They did what they did. And I, I still really like the idea of the uh, those little memory cards that you could play mini games and stuff on. But that's that's something else. Uh, so the Expendables when, expendable. expendable. Sorry, I uh, I wanted to make this another movie tie-in game, but I guess not. <laughs> the uh, the intro was really quirky and weird. It has this like old uh, you know CGI graphics, but the it kind of has like a Odd World feel to it because the characters look so kind of like goofy they've got these weird facial expressions but there's kind of all this horrible looking science going on around it while you've got your naked soldier being prepped and then like locked in and shipped out to this planet to fight these alien hordes we were we were enjoying it for a while i mean we were cruising through it pretty good you know not really much trouble in the first level and then the second level came and I just started dying left and right because it's weird. The uh, the camera focuses in and follows on player one. So if you're player two, you can walk outside of the screen and it'll show you an arrow indicating how far you've gone. But the screen doesn't expand or contract depending on your closeness to player one. So if you get off screen, it's real easy to just take bullets. Yeah, I didn't have as bad of an experience because I was player one, so it wasn't too bad for me. Uh, I think we got through, what was it, like three or four levels in the game within like a, a one hour time, three three levels. So the game itself was kind of fun at first. I mean, different weapons, you're blowing things up, there's parts flying everywhere. Um, there's a lot of cool bosses in the game itself. Uh, but overall, once we got to that third level, I'm like, okay, I've had enough like this is, you know, it's just it's fun. It's nice to play. But if I had to sit there and go through like 10 levels or something, uh, I don't know how many levels are in it uh, because we didn't get that far. Um, I don't think I would really enjoy it as much. So uh, we should probably look up the price point on this game, actually, man, because that's that's something that I'm interested to see. Um, The game itself, uh, we probably could have beat it in its entirety if we would have actually just like sat back and played for, you know, eight hours in a day, if, if that might even be able to beat in just a few hours. Um, a lot of it was us just kind of getting used to the controls and, uh, really just hammering through specific levels, getting acquainted with the overall structure. The game itself is really dark. That could be, uh, like visually dark. It was just kind of hard to see where to go at times. Uh, that could probably be based off of the fact that it's on a 4k TV versus an older uh, tube TV. Um, but yeah, just, I don't know, man. Did you have anything uh, additional with at least a visual aspect that kind of bugged you? Uh, it was real dark. 
I I like to turn up the brightness even on, you know, horror games sometimes just so that I can see like all the work that went into the art. And this game actually got like, uh, you know, mostly 70s from what I saw on the reviews. And a lot of it was praising the graphics. And I mean, it probably was pretty good graphics for the time. But I don't know how much of that graphics you could actually see. You know, it was uh, it was a little dark, a little muddy for me. Yeah, I'd fully agree with you. So visually, I'd say that we would probably grade this to be pretty low. Um, now, yes, it is on a bigger TV. And yes, it's a game that's nearly 20 years old. But at the same time, Ryan and I do play quite a few games that are older than 20 years. Uh, so we can appreciate uh, decent graphics for that era. And this general, this just really wasn't that great. Uh, from a gameplay standpoint, I didn't feel the controls were as fluid as I would have liked in a game of this style. Um, we'll get back to you on the actual uh, fluidity of the controls. Um, the actual gameplay with the guns and rockets and everything else, I thought was pretty fun. I would give that a pretty high score. And then the actual timing of enemies coming out um, was just the right difficulty, so it wasn't terrible. And then the boss battles were actually pretty good too. Um, so I guess you did kind of touch up on controls, right, man, where... Uh, you discussed how you were kind of thrown out on the side and it didn't really expand out per se. It just kind of said, hey, Ryan, you're over here in a corner. Here's an arrow. By the way, there might be enemies killing you and you have no idea. Um, versus in my experience, it was it was always focused on me. Uh, but with the actual controls, just to get a little more into detail with that, uh, it just didn't have that right feel. Like if I was trying to shoot uh, at like a 45 degree angle towards some other enemies it was just kind of difficult. It would shoot you into like 90 degrees or it would go down like 180. Like it was just, it was really odd how all of that worked out. Um, did you have anything else on that man before we jump into what this might cost some people if they wanted to check it out? I, you know, it said that it came out for Android and I've been trying to find it. I can't find it in the play store. So I don't know if maybe, it's not hosted there anymore or if maybe it's released under a different title and I didn't see that but you know I don't know how much it goes for on Android and honestly I don't think I would recommend playing it on Android dark and tiny is not a way to play a game that there's an innuendo in there somewhere um so anybody that's interested you can pick up expendable on the PS1 for about 6 bucks loose you can pick it up complete for about 11.50 and uh, new, if you really want to go that route and crack it open for some strange reason, $21. Uh, but on the Dreamcast, it's slightly cheaper on a complete in box right now. Uh, you're looking at like $750 loose and uh, complete is going for about $1050. So really, if you want to check this game out, um, it's on the cheap. It's Hopefully we don't do what other people do and games start going up in price when we review them. Uh, but it's... I don't know, man. If I was playing this game fresh and somebody said, here, you can check out this game, complete in box right now for 11 bucks, I might give them like three bucks for it. That's personally where I would stand. I don't think it's worth the $10 that it's currently set at. I didn't, for me, just now when we were playing that game, I didn't get enough enjoyment out of that title to say, yeah, I'm happy spending $10 on this title right now, plus any shipping costs that come through. Yeah, I definitely don't think that it's worth the money. This time around, um, you know, usually we try to have somebody who's, you know, a pro and somebody who's a con, but I think we're both just not sold this week. I mean, 
even if I got the game for free, I don't think it would be worth my time to actually play it. Yeah, and to be a little more transparent, um, I probably did get this game for free out of a lot uh, that I might have purchased at one point of a Dreamcast. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's obviously sat on my shelf for the last probably five, six years, and we just now went ahead and played it. And I'm, I'm kind of happy it's been sitting on my shelf for five to six years, in all honesty. So another five to six years of dust for this one, people. We're going to call it a pass. Yep, so that will be deflated. Now, a little preview into the next week. Uh, we are going to be playing the NES game Monster in My Pocket. So keep an eye out for that when we go ahead and release our Inflation Deflation. Uh, that title, surprisingly, has gone up in price quite a bit in the last few years. And uh, I'm interested to see why. And we'll let you know next week if it's going to be worth your money or not. So until then, I'm Ryan. And I'm John. And this has been the Game Deflators Podcast. Game Deflators Podcast.